What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome in to the first ever episode of the Front Stretch Happy Hour. And all we ask you to do is sit back, relax, if you're not driving, of course, and listening to this, crack open a cold one or your mixed beverage of choice, and listen to a couple of lads debate the hot topics in all things NASCAR. Hello, folks. Trey Lyle, your host here, joined by, I guess we'll call him the other permanent host for the Front Stretch Happy Hour, Mr. Dalton Hopkins at PitlaneLT on Twitter. Dalton, how are you doing, my friend? And uh, are you pumped? This was kind of your idea. It was one of the reasons I was brought on to the team. Uh, you got to feel excited that this is the first episode of the Front Stretch Happy Hour. This has evolved into something that I didn't – this has become so much better. This looks so much better than what I was envisioning already. Uh, having a professional like Trey read off uh, the beginning like that because I certainly wouldn't have been able to do that. So. Thank you, Trey, but I think it's about time for us to have our own little podcast where we're not that professional, uh, and we get to kind of just talk about, you know, I, I make up, my leaky column is just me just bitching about things. So I think it's about time we just did it verbally, and we got two of the most animated people, one much more animated than the other, uh, on our podcast, and God help us, uh, we're actually going to have them on, so, uh, on a weekly basis, so. Let's just do this, man. I'm really excited to, to get started, and I hope our fans are ready, too. Yeah, I didn't even write that down. I did that from memory, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm learning a thing or two over these years. Uh, that was but too he, professional for us. Don't touch on it, too. We'll have a third uh, permanent, somewhat co-host between the two men joining us here, uh, Michael Massey, and, of course, the host of his own podcast on the Front Stretch Network, Brian Nolan. Uh, gentlemen, Welcome to the show, and uh, are you pumped, uh, as much pumped as uh, Dalton and I are? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, as you know, I don't really have a filter anyways. Uh, what? You have, to, you have to cut out some stuff that I say in uh, the, the Front Stretch podcast with Brian Nolan, uh, so maybe I can use some of the stuff I want to say on that on here instead. Uh, but I, I just want to know, are, are people going to be watching us? Are they able to watch us on this too? Because I'm pretty sure Brian just imitated Sam Mayer uh, a second ago. You know what? <laughs> I just Im imitated him double the amount just now. That was just for you, Mr. Michael Massey. Hello, friends. Oh, wait, this ain't my, this ain't mine. So I'm just going to chillax, chill. Um, and, and I think there's some very, very scared people right now. Dalton's one of them. Tom Bowles is, is the other one. And definitely Trey Lyle is the other one. Um, because no one, no one knows what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, I think happily so. scared is, is probably the right way to describe it when I'm around Brian. He's I'm not happy for two weeks. I mean, two, I'm not three, happy, but I'll, I'll do the little, pray for this moment. I'll do the little dot thingy with, with the chest and the head. And we, dot thingy. we did a practice run last week, and the things that came out of this man's mouth. It took <laughs> me two God. hours yeah. to edit a one-hour show just because of Brian. I'm, I'm severely damaged um, just outside of this world. I have a lot of issues that I don't care to, uh, to fix because – no one can, um, but you know, pe people accept me the way that I am, and I tell everybody if I can find a wife, anyone can. So, um, there is hope for everybody in this universe, and you are loved. Brian is what you call a career changer. If he were to go, <laughs> if 
you were to go to a therapist, they would change careers. <laughs> Fun that for a, And that's Fun a perfect story. way to end our intros. No, 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 no. One, one more thing. One more thing. Fun story. Oh, Science God. class. Senior year of high school. Uh, his name was Mr. Well, it was 11th grade biology, but he said this while we were while we were 12th graders. He said, your class, your grade literally makes me want to stop teaching because you guys are so awful. And you know what? He left teaching after we graduated. So you're not kind of wrong, Massey. We I do have that effect on people. So Fox will no longer be the only NASCAR media that turns away fans. Let's do this, guys. I love what, what, I, what I was going to say is don't you worry. If you don't enjoy Brian's takes, he's out of here next week as we will be joined by, which, you know, might be even more dangerous the boss man, Tom Bolt, will be joining us next week. That's called a tease for you, a little more professional terms. So we'll no. try to keep it keep it contained here as well. But uh, let's let's dive right into it. Uh, basically, how this is going to work is each week we're gonna each one of us is gonna bring a topic to the table, and uh, we're gonna um, talk about it, kind of discuss our opinions, and uh, I'll kick it right off with. You know, NASCAR in 2022 was pretty great. It was, a you know, multiple win- different winners uh, setting records for that. I mean, only one driver got into the playoffs off of points. We saw a lot of first-time winners setting a record for that and a lot of great racing, especially at road courses and the miles and a half. Well, 20th- 2023 is kind of fallen pretty flat. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts on this season and – uh Kind of is NASCAR kind of lost all the momentum it had from last year? I'll go I'll go first on this one. And I, I kind of just want to go first on this one because I actually uh tweeted about it at the Brian Owen. I said it, it's kind of been a disappointing season because uh we, we've had storylines, but they've all been kind of negative. And whether it's appeal penalties, people getting fined because of something they said on a podcast, whether the racing was bad, whether the racing was terrible, whether it was uh just yellow flags that should be yellow flags yellow flags that are not called i mean it's just one thing after another and it kind of it's not just this year i think it kind of started in daytona the summer right when the rain fell it kind of spiraled spiraled from there with unreliability with the cars with the tires and then the texas fiasco and then it kind of just uh, circulated and, and circled with the rotating effect and I mean, we, we've said that they have to stop the bleeding. They've stopped the bleeding. It felt like they stopped the bleeding. Well, I feel like they ha- they got a new injury starting with the rain at Daytona in the summertime, and they haven't fully been able to put a Band-Aid on it. Does that, that, does that kind of make sense, um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's one thing after another. And that's, you know, 2021 was billed as the best season ever. I think last year actually was the best season ever. And this year is the worst season ever Uh, because not only has the racing not been good or anywhere near as good as last year. I, and I think, I think if we had had this season following the gen six, if this this had been the debut of the next gen car, it wouldn't look as bad because we got a glimmer of hope for the mile and a half tracks. And yeah, there were races where the next gen seemed amazing. And then it's like the bottom fell out. And then apart from just the racing, though, as if that wasn't bad enough, you've had just storyline after storyline of negativity uh, in the midweeks. You know, you got the Hendrick penalties, the colleague and all the appeals board fias- fiascos. 
and uh, Denny Hamlin and that whole ridiculous penalty. And then on top of it all, we don't know what's going to happen between the owners and NASCAR in this standoff that they're currently in where NASCAR is not giving them, you know, the, the, the knowledge whether or not the charters will be around long-term or not. So they can't really, teams can't spend more money because they're scared to, because uh, the charters could just go away in a heart in a flash. And then the, the TV money, they want more of the TV money. And it seems like NASCAR's not going to budge on it. So who knows where this standoff could lead, but it's not good for anyone. I don't think it's the absolute worst season ever. Uh, I think we had to look at 2018 or 2019 to, to think about that. But uh, when we had that God awful 550 horsepower package, but it certainly seems that way. I think it's also because 2022 was just so damn good. Like, do you remember how much momentum we had at the beginning at this time last year? Like, we had the Bristol Dirt Race already, and that was such a great finish. Coda was such a great finish as well. And we already had, what was it, three first-time winners at this point? I could be wrong yeah. about that. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at it now. So, by this point last year, we had, obviously, Cindric winning the Daytona 500. Yeah. We had Briscoe win at Phoenix, and then Ross win at Coda. And um, that was your first-time winners at this yeah. point. And then this year we've had no first time winners uh, in this year, but you you obviously look at like a Ricky Stenhouse being a, a surprising win. Obviously Tyler Reddick getting a win maybe earlier than we thought with twenty three eleven, but you know other than that it's not really been any surprises. Yeah, you know, I mean you had I think it was good for about two weeks there. Like we had Ricky Stenhouse win and Daytona was really chaotic, but we kind of expect that out of Daytona nowadays. And then you have Kyle Busch win, and that was pretty fun to watch because, you know, he's with a new team. He's just kind of he's Kyle Busch. And then we get to uh, the third week, and then we see William Byron and Kyle Larson, like, absolutely dominate at Las Vegas. And then we're like, uh-oh. And then we go to Phoenix, and we see Kyle Larson and William Byron dominate again, and we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, uh-oh, there's a team that's pulling away now. They kind of figure out the next-gen car. Like, but we've seen that happen in the past, and – I like to, to, to kind of compare it. I, I've never seen a way to affect morale of like of anybody more than to do the complete opposite beforehand. And uh, let me tell you a story to to to, to give you an example. Uh, when I was back uh, early training, I remember there was one we had one uh, field training exercise. It's just a few days. It was pretty small. It was the last day and we were all really tired and everyone wanted to go home. And then they said, hey, if you do this next thing right, we'll let you go home. And I won't specify, but we did it right. And then they said, okay, well, we wanted to go home, but we're unfortunately we're going to have to stay one more day. And it was raining. And we'd have to sleep outside, and nobody wanted to do that. And then they said, all right, so get your gear set up to go camp and everything like that. And right before we went to go do that, they're all right, all right, listen up. Here's what we're going to do. You're all, and everyone was super sad. Everyone was super depressed. And everyone said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to grab your things, you're going to get your gear up, and you're going to run to your cars and go home. And everyone was, like, super happy about that. And everyone, that They lowered the morale in order to increase morale even higher than what it was before. And I think that's what this season has done. Last year, every NASCAR was so good, it was so high, it was so great. And then this year, just because it's kind of mediocre – it just seems so much worse than what it was before. 
And on that note, it's also a little depressing because we also have, you know, this team owner, no one wants to call it a boycott, but it's a boycott. This team owner boycott of these uh, negotiations going on. It's a little scary because we really don't know what's going to happen with that. And it's it's a little scary to see NASCAR acting like this for the first time since what was the last time we had a boycott? 1969 at Talladega. Nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah, very. Yeah, nice. Uh, but <laughs> Brian. But yeah, I mean, we we you know we don't know what's going to happen in the future of this sport, especially with this TV rights deal, and something's got to change uh, soon. Yeah, I think we're due for it. In, in in half the case, like you're not gonna like think of like the consistent moments of last season. Like if you want to pick one, maybe it's like. That the the hail melon, which was shown seven hundred times this past weekend in Martinsville, but you're you're kind of you know I don't want to say this is law average, but you're you're due for a stinker, you know. I think you know twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, considering the circumstances that the seasons had to deal with, were you know solid. I wouldn't say they were great, but it kind of built till twenty twenty two, where it was a really good year. It was probably the best year in what a decade uh, i i can't remember off the top of my head but it it's just kind of you're due for a season like this and you know it, it's still early like we'll, we'll see there are there are stretches in every season where it's kind of you know kind of lulling and i i think there are a couple of factors i think i think a big factor is the teams with more resources have caught up to the next gen car a lot more and so it, it it's resulting in kind of probably you know more more dominance in the front and so i think we're getting to a point where maybe the advantages that next gen we're supposed to bring are getting smaller and smaller and you're seeing this whereas last year it was truly a kind of free-for-all because everyone was starting from the same starting point at the start of the season especially with you know all the supply restrictions and everything that kind of went into that you were limited on the cars you could have and and that sort of thing and now that those restrictions are gone it, it's resulting in you know if you have more money you're going to have more speed even more now and i think that it kind of and we're seeing it like the callings i mean i'm sure ricky stenhouse jr won the the first race of the season but i mean let, let's be honest guys any 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 one of us can win the the daytona 500 if you're in the right place at the right time you have a shot to win. It's not rocket science. Um, but I mean, you see, I mean, look how far Legacy Motor Club has fallen this year. I mean, both cars look absolutely terrible. I mean, what in the hell has happened to Eric Jones? I mean, I expected so much more from, from Noah Gregson this year. I mean, look at Stuart Haas. Besides this year, what has happened to them this uh, this past season? I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean, uh, sure, Corey LaJoy is, is doing good, but Ty Dillon is looking like worse than Rick Ware racing. I mean, Ty I, Dillon. I, He's looking like Ty Dillon. Yeah. I mean, let's. I expected him no, to run. Like Rick Ware racing can't even keep its drivers out of jail. So. Oh my hey. god! Oh, dang. Man, that's the first I don't know, mention. Man. It seems like they're doing a little bit better than them He's right now. Cries, my dude. Zane Smith outqualified. Austin Cindric and Ross Chastain this past weekend. So. For like 20 laps, Zane Smith was actually running kind of well. And J.J. Well, Ailey got like 15 minutes of fame when he qualified third at Bristol Dirt. This weekend, I walked across the track faster than Austin Cindric was all weekend. 
Damn. <laughs> I mean, but then again, it's just like like the teams that I thought could actually compete, like I mean specifically Legacy Motor Club, they're just downright sucking. I mean, they are just sucking ass this year. I tell you what it is, it's the curse of Richard Petty. You don't force the king out like that and not have oh, some shit. bad juju oh, come back and bite you. Richard Petty saw a witch doctor and he cursed his own race team for Jimmy Johnson taking it. <laughs> it's the same same curse Stuart Haas has for basically kicking Stuart out, you know, when they got rid of Eldora. So it's the Eldora King curse or something like that. Is that what we're calling? I mean, it seems like whenever you ostracize your own team owner, it just kind of seems to go wrong. So, but he, to Rich Pretty credit, he has been the team owner for a little bit. Yeah, theoretically speaking. Well, okay, it gets worse than what I should say. It, it yeah. gets worse than what it was before. I mean, RPM wasn't that great uh, last year. I mean, but at least they won a race, right? You don't see Legacy Motor yeah. Club doing that this year, unless like you know. Noah Gregson really get Lux out or something like that. Yeah, even even he's not that fast this year. Like, I don't really know what on earth is going on with him. I guess it's just the team or something, because we've seen Noah Gregson be able to prove himself and equipment before. Congrats, Legacy Motor Club. You have a cool name and and cool new logos. (laughs) It's black and gold. You got a problem with black and gold, Massey? I like the I liked like the the way they did the the trucks and like how everything is uniform. I mean, it's different. Like, yeah, nice. It, yeah, it, it, it sounds like I, a bunch it's of old guys. One feel to it. It's no it more like formal. Old guys meeting up on a Sunday morning to look at their cars. Well, they got Jimmy Johnson. He's old. They got <laughs> Mari Gallagher's pretty old. I mean, and then yeah. the King is eighty five, right, or eighty something. Yeah. yeah, he's around there. I don't know exactly how old he is. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, but I, I guess let's let's flip this question forward. Do you think it gets better? I mean, the mile and a half of road courses, they're still that's the I guess the majority of what's left in the season. Are are we going to see better racing out of that? Like, we'll see. Like, I don't think the mile and a half, like the. I think this car, and I think, and Massey, you've talked about this before. I think this is, I think the biggest takeaway from the end of the year is going to be NASCAR has built a road, road course car, and it's an overcorrection that was like the, the car needs to be more entertaining on a road course. Well, it's definitely an overcorrection because I think, and we'll see it when the car is in Le Mans. That this is a really good road course car, and that might be it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's way too good at braking. It's way too stuck to the ground. Uh, so stuff like the bump and run is, is kind of gone now. You really just got to wreck a guy. Uh, you got to do like Eric Jones did to Harrison Burton the other day, and just not just dump them to to, to get him out of there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just not conducive to the stock car racing that that we grew up with. I'm sure it's a great car for IMSA or Le Mans or anything like that, but uh, not for short tracks, not for super speedways, uh, and now not for intermediates because, like, Las Vegas stunk. Yeah, but the stock car racing we grew up with is gone. Nothing it's not going to go back to it. it it's not going to go back to it. Like, just give up, honestly. Like, let's stop trying to go back to what it was in 2002 and whatever it was everyone loves so much. But why gone. can't it be the Xfinity Series? Xfinity That's series. what the Xfinity Series is. 
the Xfinity series slaps so damn hard. It does. It, it is so hot. It gets like, me I've, so hot and bothered every single week. And it's, this, just, it's incredible. I've said this for a while. Like, when can like can we just like swap the cars? Can we swap the cars of the series? <laughs> I think like, I've it, heard you know what's so funny is that you could do that considering like everyone would, would argue, oh, well, they're not as fast as the cup cars, but you're right, they're not as fast as the cup cars. They're faster. So yeah. It's a little scary. Like you could do that, but everyone will get upset because it's like, oh, well, it's not stock anymore, or I'm um, not stock, but it's like, oh, well, it's they don't look like their actual cars are supposed to represent. And it's like, well, who cares anymore? Like, I mean, look, they weren't exactly. They didn't look like the production cars they did back in 2002 or whatever. What everyone creams about nowadays. Like, just Wait, just what? stop. What? Do you really cream want to go spout? back to what? What the hell's <laughs> what? Did you just say cream spout? Cream's Whatever cream's about. about. Everyone cream's about. <laughs> what does that like, do you mean? really want to go back to what the cars were like in like the 1970s I or whatever? Teach you biology right now, Brian. I think that's a flavor at Cold Stone. Brian, I do, I need, do I need to I tell you how big these are made? Biology, okay? I okay, we are, we are slowly <laughs> getting off topic here, which is not surprising. It took us 20 minutes. and uh, But that's the first topic in the books for the front stretch happy hour. Mr. Dalton Hopkins, what do you want to bring to our to our table? So myself, Massey, and you, Trey, we're all at Martinsville this weekend. And we, we all saw it for ourselves, right? This new short track package, we've been talking about it ever since Phoenix, ever since Richmond, and I think ever since Coda 2, everyone's been talking about what this new short track package, this new short track slash road course package is going to bring when we come to Martinsville. Because everyone said, hey, Martinsville is going to be the true test. That's what I've been hearing from all bunch of different people. Martinsville is going to be the true test of what this new short track package does. Then we get to Martinsville, and we prayed. Please, God, don't be like last year. And it was like last year. But it wasn't like the spring last year. It was more like the fall. We had about the same numbers. So I have to wonder, you know... What exactly is going to happen with this new short track package? What do we have to do differently? We heard from Denny Hamlin on his podcast say, hey, we need more horsepower. And then we saw on Friday with this truck series race, which those first 25 laps were probably the best racing that we saw all weekend. And surprise, surprise, it was on the treaded rain tires. So we have to wonder, okay, well, does that mean that these treaded tires are going to provide more better racing because they have more fall off? They provide less grip. So in my, what I think we should do is get rid of the slicks. Or I mean, by that we mean keep the slicks, but put treads on them. Give them, give them a little bit of different groove on them, kind of like what F1 did back in the early 2000s. And then we make these tires fall off a little bit more. I mean, if that's what we got to do to make the racing better, to make tire fall off happen, then that's what we got to do because there was zero tire fall off this weekend in the Cup Series race. And it'd be cheaper than increasing the horsepower. Like Kyle Busch, you know, there was three seconds of fall off, and Kyle Busch was like, we need those tires, basically, when I asked him about it. And it, it's definitely um, something to invest in. I think at this point, it's a little bit both, and I'm not an engineer. Like, I think if they have a better tire, it would do a lot for the race. Like, look at Richmond. The track was worn out, I think. That was a, a pretty solid race. I mean, it can be a lot better. There have been plenty of better Richmond races. I think if you have both the increased horsepower and the tire fall off, you're going to get 
better racing overall. So does the short track package need to be addressed? Yes. Is the quicker fix and maybe the cheaper fix, which probably what NASCAR wants is just simply make a better tire. Yes, absolutely. I think what's more likely to happen is the tire than the engine change, especially that can be ha- that can change now. Like that can change a lot quicker than an engine change, which appears by you know, it's like a year wait. It's a year's yeah, long it would, wait. Or it would have to be next season, apparently. Yeah, because these new so, parts take forever to come in. <clears throat> yeah, so you would. So in theory, you could change the tire now. And what's a really good place to ch- try a new tire? How about the All Star Race? Because it's an exhibition oh, race at a short track. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that track's going to eat tires as is. So I don't, it is. I don't know if that's the, the best one to test the tire. I think uh, maybe you like can run old... tire tests. They do them all the time. Then too. I'm just that's saying. Good. I was just giving that as like that's kind of the next short track. And and you're no. right. That that track's yeah. worn out as crap. And and it's going to be. I think probably the best short track race of the year, just because oh, yeah. simply because of the track itself. And I think I would argue, you know, I really think at the end of the day, Richmond should not be better than Martinsville the way Richmond has been lately. But Richmond was a way better race than Martinsville. And it was because, simply put, the track is way more worn out than where Martinsville is at right now. It, I mean, like, when I, when I think of Martinsville, I think of beating and banging and people spinning and people getting pissed off. I didn't see in, in, any of that. I mean, I didn't see anybody getting into one another. I didn't see any bumping. I mean, Harrison Burton spun once. J.J. Ailey had a nasty-ass wreck. And then Anthony Alfredo's t- tire went kumbaya and decided to go uh, somewhere other than o- on his car. I mean, we didn't see, like, the one the, the single-car spins because someone got bumped in turn three and four. We just we didn't see that, that just the – beaten and the banging and what short track racing is really about and that's what's so discon that's what's so concerning and so disconnecting to me as as a fan um and, and well mainly just for other fans in itself like why should i try and convince my other my other friends that are not nascar fans to come and watch something when even i didn't have fun watching it you know what i mean mm-hmm. speaking of that alfredo tire situation uh you know this this show is called front stretch happy hour i think the tower was enjoying a little bit of happy hour uh <laughs> while they were supposed to be throwing a caution flag up there uh way too long to, to throw a caution they're lucky that nobody hit that tire that was sitting in the middle of the track for two whole laps and that tire with the, with the tire that goodyear is bringing for some reason they're bringing tires that could probably crack the concrete wall if they if someone hit him hard enough, someone hits that tire, it's going through the fence, through a couple fans, out into orbit. It's going to go straight through Mars. I mean, that tire is invincible. I want those tires for my car. Give me four of those Goodyear tires so I can just have the same tires the rest of my life because those things don't wear at all. You good? I remember, like, in the race itself, I had the scanner in, and I was listening to the radio. I was listening to the official radio, as it just so happens. And I remember hearing on the official radio saying, uh, hearing, all right, put it out. It's a tire. It's a tire in turn four. And I remember looking at the TV screen, which there was no delay, by the way. I remember looking at the TV screen and just waiting and waiting and waiting as cars went by. More cars went by. More cars went by. More cars went by for like a whole like minute and a half. And by the way, a minute and a half in Martinsville is like, what, six laps? And as a minute and a half went by, and then just like 
okay, they finally put out the caution. So I have to wonder, like, where was the disconnected communication there? Like, I, I don't really understand. I mean, it's not like they didn't see it. I don't think it's not. That's not. That's what happened. I think they saw it, and then they were just trying to look for it. And it's like, he already said it. He already said there's one on the track. So I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, DBC said it was TJ Majors. He's like, he, he counted. It was 39 seconds. I, like that's Brett Griffin said, that's 37 right. seconds too long. I mean, uh, no. I mean, I can make a sexual joke in, in, in right there, but but I mean, jokes write themselves. Um, Thank God. But. What? It, we were all thinking it. We're not all angels up I, I in wasn't, here. I wasn't, well, though. Brian. I wasn't I either. Wasn't. Only you. Only we you. Literally only you, buddy. No, no. But you're right. That's why we want you on here. Like, I saw it uh, like to a lap before. Like You saw Alfredo coming to pit lane with an issue, and then you look over, and like since there's a blue background to the restart zone, you see it's kind of it's like, it, it, you know, obviously the tower can't see it, but people on pit road can see it. Also, if you just look at Anthony Alfredo's car and see there's no tire on the right on the right rear, then you got to know there's a tire somewhere, somewhere, and they're lucky that it was kind of put in the one place on the track where no one could get to it. I mean, if that was what two three inches ahead further up, that's getting someone's coming out of four and and just you know, running that over, um, it, it changed the race. And I think it, it, if, uh, if that doesn't happen, we're talking a little bit about the short track package and that leads us to the tire issue. Like, you know, that changed the race and ultimately kind of like made the only reason why the race was somewhat interesting is, is the tire issue. And I mean, you just got to be better. Like consistency, consistency, consistency is everything we've asked out of officiating in all sports. And, uh, it just needs to be better. It just needs to be better. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, tire changer deserves a bonus from NASCAR and Fox. Instead, he's gonna probably get a four week vacation. True. Yeah, I think Kyle Larson should give him some money as well. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, that. Uh, so, uh, Massey, I know you sort of brought up the tire issue uh, along with the short track package. Uh, anything else you want to bring to the table? Uh, well, so one of the big topics this week, I don't know if you guys heard this all at all, but there was a driver who made their return this week. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about Alfredo. that? No. Um, Anthony yeah. Alfredo and Dane Smith, they both came back. <laughs> yeah, True. yeah. They, those guys are back. Uh, yeah, good for them. And, but so there was this guy, uh, apparently he's a cup champion um, and has, has won a lot of races, has Napa sponsorship. Chase oh, Elliott, he he, oh! he broke his leg about six weeks ago. Uh, and no, you're talking about Chase Briscoe. He broke his finger. Right, Chase, but he didn't miss any time because yeah, I know, I, I know he didn't. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess so. You're right. So does that mean that Chase Briscoe is tougher than Chase Elliott? Because Chase Elliott, well, Chase Briscoe drove with a broken pair finger. A broken finger to a broken leg. <laughs> you are going to get a lot of hate mail from Chase Elliott fans after this. <laughs> I can promise you. That Bring was Michael up. Massey that said it, not Brian Nolan. All Michael that was, Massey. That was Michael Massey that said that Chase Elliott is actually weaker than Chase Briscoe. 
<laughs> underscore Massey 22. I, I didn't say he's a better driver. Just, uh, you know, maybe question the Massey toughness. Too much hey, hey, Ricky Rudd could have had two broken arms, two broken legs, and a broken neck, and he still would have won a race. But so what are you saying? Are you saying that the at Pocono with a broken ankle? Just saying. <laughs> His entire – Ricky okay. Rudd could have one arm, and that's it, and he could win a race. <laughs> <laughs> Both eyes gouged out. <laughs> Ricky Rudd could be dead, and he would win a race, according to Michael Massey. It's true. You can check it. You know, look on racing references. As, as reliable as that site is now, it'll have all the info about it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> what? I just said it's reliable. Uh, but anyway, so Chase Elliott. Wait, wait, wait. Is it as reliable as Xfinity 10G? I'm waiting for that $500 bonus. Thank you very much, Xfinity. Yeah, bring it on, Xfinity. Mm-hmm. What a great company. Uh, but, yeah, so they were uh, – Chase Elliott came back. It was all over. Uh, Pat Matt, he was on Pat McAfee's show this week, made the uh, the beat riders for NASCAR have to wait a oh little bit. Oh, uh, You would have thought that uh, – <laughs> you would have thought we were had World War Three going on. From, Honestly, uh, though. Reactions to you that. Can. But uh, – and then he was on uh, Sports Center. And yeah, it, it, a lot of hype, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, promotional, what do you call it, things where it pops up on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that, or like the promoted, yeah, the promoted tweets or whatever. Um, and we're still getting those. We're still getting them. They're saying Chase Elliott will be back for Talladega. Chase Elliott returns to racing at Talladega this week as if, as if he didn't just race. I put out a tweet last night that said, uh, you know, a month from now they're going to tweet. Chase Elliott on May 21st, he's going to be racing at North Wilkesboro for the first time in 13 years since breaking his leg. So, yeah, because he, he Chase Elliott there. returns to Daytona for the first time since February this upcoming summer. <laughs> he go. and the rest of the field, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he was back, it was a big deal, was made about it. And I understand he's popular, but uh, do you guys think that it was over-promoted? There was too much focus on him? Uh, or do you think there would be that kind of uh, hype for any other driver in the field coming back? No. I'm okay I mean, with maybe it. like Bubba or someone, but like it would probably be a like a bad kind of, of comments um, just because it's today's world. Um, I mean – Ryan Blaney, I doubt it. I mean, Chase Elliott kind of reminds me of the Dale Jr. effect to like a lesser degree. It's like it, it's like when you get like the Dr. Pepper at Walmart and then you get like the great value Dr. Pepper at Walmart. That's kind of like Chase Elliott's effect of the viewership to Dale Jr. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, it was worth it for NASCAR because they got a 1.26 rating. 2.2 million people watched it which is up from last year's race and is kind of the first time it's really trended up this season in terms of viewership compared to especially the past six weeks. Like he clearly was missing from the sport. And I think, uh, has it been a little overdone, especially for people who cover the sport like we do? Yeah. But it, it just makes sense kind of in terms of he is the most popular driver. He is, and we kind of, you know, he is one of the, you know, few true stars in the sport. Like, I think this this leads to a bigger issue of like how many true like crossover stars there are. And uh, I think 
we were in an era of just like marketable star after marketable star. Obviously, that was the peak business time for NASCAR, whether you were Jimmy, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart. Like that was peak kind of the stars of the sport. And now we have kind of like who is truly like the star outside of Chase Elliott. Like Bubba has some crossover appeal. But like Ryan Blaney, maybe because he's he's you know women find him attractive. Like there's no real true kind of stars in the sport anymore. And and I think you saw this over promotion of Chase Elliott because he is their true star right now, and they're gonna market him justly. It'd be like as if you know Mike Trout was coming back for baseball, and the the first game coming back would be on air. Like they're gonna heavy promote that. Like it's. It you just it's it's what you see. It's it's kind of like with golf and Tiger Woods. Like if Tiger's playing in a tournament, they use Tiger a lot for the marketing footage. Even though, given this point, he he probably won't contend for the win. Well, I mean, it also is like this. Is, this also falls on NASCAR. Like why why can't they regulate? Right? Why can't they get someone to be popular? Like when you think of. It was kind of funny. It was kind of interesting. Brett Griffin said that 80% of the fans cheer for 20% of the drivers. And when you think of popular NASCAR drivers, we're still, we are still hearing, oh yeah, my my favorite driver is Jimmy Johnson. He only does part-time. My favorite driver is Jeff Gordon. He is now partially an owner. My favorite was Danica Patrick. She's not even in the sport anymore. Why can't we, why can't we get, yeah, my favorite driver is Denny Ham or, or like, is mainly because you have guys like Kyle Larson, William Byron. They're just generic. They're like a computer. They're just dull. And we kind of saw a little bit of it in Vegas. William Byron actually showing emotion. Even Darlington, Dalton, you saw it. And Matthew, you saw it too at Darlington um, when he was pissed at Joey Logano. They just have to show more of their personalities. That's why I love guys like like Noah Gregson that are not afraid to show their personality. And and that's why he was such a big fan favorite. I mean, me and Matthew were at Bristol last year, and when he won – I mean, that that fan section was incredibly loud. I mean, he is a superstar. Um, I mean, he's obviously struggling this year, but, like, there's just no, like, marketable drivers. Like, are you, you – sure, you want, you want to take Martin Truex Jr. to a to a, a Bass Pro Shops, that's fine, but you're not going to take him on Good Morning America. I mean, you just don't have those marketable guys right now. I'll, I think I'll tell you how – Real quick, Dal, I'll tell you how popular No Gregson is. It, you barely see him on TV, but I put out a tweet about him wearing Brandon Jones merch, and that was that blew up bigger than anything else I put out the whole weekend. Uh, so I mean, that he, their fans are there for those guys in the back half of the field, uh, but Fox doesn't do a good job of promoting them and teaching you how who they are. I feel like I know Rick Mast better than anyone who runs 20th in a cup race today because they did such a better job back in the 90s, 2000s of making those drivers, making you feel like you knew them. I'll tell you what's super ironic is that I feel like a lot of our content that comes out, it's usually the stuff that's about the lesser-known drivers, the stuff, the drivers that run more in the back of the field. That's the stuff that actually gets more views. I find that really, really odd that we can put out something about Caden Honeycutt, which I did this weekend. 
And that actually got a lot of views. It put out stuff about Derek Krause, who finished in the top 10 again uh, this past weekend. And that got a lot of views. I think, I, I don't really think it's about this stardom thing that fans seem to connect to where they see drivers coming out and, you know, being a, being outside of the sport, being things like that. I think it's a, more about the drivers connecting to the fans and the drivers actually speaking out to what they believe in. And we don't really see that with a lot of new drivers. When was the last time we've seen Chase Elliott speak his mind or speak his real opinion with emotion? Watkins I'm not, Glenn? I'm sorry? Was it Watkins Glen or Larson? But, I mean, but even that was reserved, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, I mean, even he was, yeah. that was super it, reserved. It I was mean, probably was happy, like, uh, merry off season and happy Christmas. But even that, but even that's reserved. I mean, the guy literally got almost got punted by Kevin Harvick, and he was like, uh, "Merry off season, happy Christmas." That's literally all he said. That's not even really emotion. That's that's deflecting. That's taking it away. That's ending the question without giving an opinion. Like these guys are so censored nowadays. They're so afraid to speak their minds. I mean, what have we been talking about these last few weeks with with the whole Denny Hamlin podcast? Denny Hamlin's been talking about how drivers won't are afraid now to admit to uh, wrecking somebody or afraid to admit to uh, bumping somebody out of the way or something like that because they think they're going to get penalized. It, it's a really difficult world. I mean, do you think Dale Earnhardt or you know somebody else in the past? Would, or Kale Yarbrough or something else or some other, you know, really, you know, aggressive driver in the past would have been afraid to admit to wrecking somebody? I don't think so. I think the, a lot of these drivers nowadays are so, so censored that they can't really speak their minds. But look at Noah Gregson. Going back to him, look at what he was doing this weekend. He was connecting with the fans. He was literally in the grandstands. Wearing a Brandon Jones shirt. If I didn't know who Noah Gregson was and I saw him in the stands, I would have thought, oh, he's just another NASCAR fan. That is connection. That is the connection we want. Guys like, you know, these top drivers that we keep talking about, like Martin Truex Jr., you know, Kevin Harvick, or or Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, all these top guys, these these top drivers in our sport right now, they hide in their motorhomes and they're rarely ever seen unless they have to make a walk from point A, a.k.a. their motorhome, to point B, a.k.a. the, the NASCAR driver uh, driver's meeting. Like, you, it, it's really difficult. It's more difficult, I think, nowadays to connect to drivers than we have in the past. And I'm not saying, and it's a lot more than other motorsports out there, but I feel like it's because these drivers are just afraid that they're going to lose a sponsor or they're going to get penalized or something like that. And that's what the sport has become. And it's really difficult for us to fix that. Yeah. And then uh, it's just the, the access, the motorhome lot was, you can say all these changes and stuff have hurt NASCAR over the last 30 years. Motorhome lot was the single worst thing that happened. Uh, used to be drivers were out and about kind of stuff. That's all about SRX. The drivers are like just stuck there in the infield and they had to go see fans and stuff like that. But 
uh, in addition to that, NASCAR doesn't really let fans in the infield. It, you got to get a VIP pass. It, it's this, it, it's this false narrative that uh, fans of NASCAR can get so much access when really you got to have a VIP pass through a team nowadays. So you got to be like a sponsor or, or know somebody or something. You can't just buy a pass to just get up in there and meet your favorite driver and all that. Yeah. And even if the ones that do get in there, like Dalton's saying, the, the drivers are just point A to point B. I mean, they might stop and sign a few autographs here and there, but it's just, yeah. I guess more than like the NFL, the access you get for that. But still, it, it, in a sport where you need to sell more tickets, get more viewers, they should be trying a little more. I want to ask you guys something. Who is a much easier interview to get, Chase Elliott or JJ Yaley? JJ, <laughs> of course, right? I think we all agree with that, right? I've tried for either, so I don't know, but okay. yeah, I would assume so. Again, Ryan Blaney, who's on the driver that runs near the back, Ryan Blaney, or Cody Ware. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, it, it depends no, on if we're going to interview him right now. <laughs> he's, he's out of jail. He's on house arrest, so he's got plenty of time. Has he got visitor hours or anything? Uh, I mean, he's okay, on house maybe, arrest. So okay, he's got... even Cody Ware, who's currently under house arrest, do you think we'd have a better shot of interviewing him? That's Honestly, yeah. Like, okay, well, okay, even there. Like, Ryan Blaney or, or uh, let's say, Ty Dillon. I mean, Ty I've interviewed Ty, Ty Dillon, 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 so yes, Ty Dillon. Because these guys, okay, how about how about the Xfinity series? How about either Justin, who's harder to get, Justin Allgaier or, let's see here, uh, Jeb Burton. Great, Parker Retzloff, Jeb Burton, some guys enjoy Anderson Racing. I mean, Junior Motorsports, I awesome. and at okay who's easier to get ty gibbs fair very fair point then okay i should probably say actually john hunter nemechek or or still in the expanded series john hunter nemechek or parker retzloff go parker retzloff parker retzloff all these big name teams they they seem so closed off and they're running like a professional so- football team or like like they run like a professional which they are a professional yeah. organization but they run it like a like an NBA, how an NBA team would look I, i'm not going to say i'm not going to sit here and say you know oh we should be getting guys like Chase Elliott or we should be getting guys like uh y- y- you know uh Ryan Blaney or or something like that or William Byron or Kyle Larson things like that but what i am saying is that the fact that they are only rarely seen at the racetrack seems like a giant disconnect. Chase Elliott has that fan base because Chase Elliott is, he's an Elliott for one. And for two, he also had that charisma that he had going through the truck series and the Xfinity series. And he made those headlines that he did. And he was a really exciting new driver. And he gained a lot of fan base through that. And through time, a lot of fans latched on to him because they knew that Dale Jr. was about to leave. So they latched on to him and saying, okay, he's the new Dale Jr. Because it's almost like Dale Jr. selected him as a protege when he entered Junior Motorsports. 
then you went to Hendrick, and I was like, okay, he's the new Dale Jr., so we're picking him as well, because he's a part of the Elliott legacy. But there's also the fact that a lot of these cup drivers are such a huge disconnect from the fan base right now. And I feel like that's kind of the problem when it comes to, you know, why is it exactly the stardom is so difficult to reach right now for a lot of these cup drivers. You only see Ryan Blaney in interviews. You only see Joey Logano through interviews. You only see Mark Drex Jr. through interviews. You only see Denny Hamlin through interviews. It's really difficult. That was a great point, Dolan. Great discussion on, you know, the lack of star power in NASCAR. And we have uh, one final topic, one final person to bring something to the table. Brian, what are you bringing to this happy hour? Thank you, Trey. I appreciate uh, you you uh, uh, heading out for my thoughts. Um, w- one of the big things was just the discrepancies on on the differences of penalties and and why that's been so disappointing. And well, it came out. It came out. Uh, I think it was when Tuesday. It came out on Tuesday that the appeals board uh, got colleague on. Actually, it came out on Tuesday that Colleg Racing um, had their penalty ascended to what Hendrick Motorsports ultimately had their penalty to ascended based on NASCAR um, saying we want to have the same penalty for the same uh, infraction. So I want to get your thoughts on that. They get their 100 point penalty back. Still, they get a $100,000 fine and a four race suspension. Um, do you guys agree with this? I mean, basically everybody was up in arms saying, Oh, colleague, uh, they, everybody's favoriting Hendricks, but colleague is still getting screwed. NASCAR says, no, every pe- the penalty is going to be staying the same and everybody has to, uh, fight for the uh, same amount of real estate, basically. Yeah, even NASCAR kind of understood the moment and and said, we recommend giving the points back um, after everything that happened. I think NASCAR and the rule book kind of cleaned up the loopholes that kind of led to Hendrick losing all their points. And I, I think at the end of the day, like, people blaming NASCAR for the Hendrick situation. Like, do you really think NASCAR, who gave the 100-point penalty, was like, no, nah, let's just give it back? Like, no, I, I think the – uh, the, the problem is with the appeals board, and basically at the end of the day, some transparency in the appeals board would be needed from this. That's my biggest takeaway from it all. I'm glad it got cleaned up with colleague and they got their points back, and it's kind of in line with what happened with Hendrick because it, also the appeals board for colleague and the appeals board for Hendrick were different. So uh, I'm glad that got cleaned up. But I'm also like, at the end of the day, we need more transparency from the appeal board. And hopefully that's ultimately what comes from this. Yeah, you know who uh, was uh, heading over the the final appeals board? I was actually going to ask that because I I didn't see who the three people were. Well, so it was just one person. Oh. It was was Bill Mullis, the owner and operator promoter whatever of langley speedway in hampton virginia so you had to get a virginian to set everything straight oh How about that? Oh. the oh. first the first appeals board you had to get a virginian to listen to nascar and do exactly what nascar <laughs> says <laughs> virginia t- hey virginia make up 50 percent of this podcast so let's go uh, yeah go hoagies uh but uh the yeah you had to turn to a guy who 
who runs a great short track where they put on great shows. You know, Langley knows how to have short track racing, unlike NASCAR at Martinsville. So, uh, yeah, and unlike the first appeals board, I don't think he was taking part in some front stretch happy hour. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad he set the record straight. And, get, you know, it wasn't even really all of them should have been penalized because they all with points because they all broke the rules. But you might as well give colleague what Hendrick got, because that's only fair. That's the precedent at this point. I, I was happy when I read it. Honestly, Where are you? I was. When I heard that they finally, what NASCAR said, hey, listen, basically what the quote was, basically what they said was, hey, we didn't really agree with the original panel board when it came to Hendrick. When it came to Hendrick's appeal, we didn't agree with what they did. So when Colleague got penalized, you know, got their 25 points percentage, the rest of it stuck, 75 points, they said, okay, we agreed with that. However... We also agree with the equality of considering that colleague had the exact same part removed, the exact same part that was penalized. Everything was exactly the same as Hendrick Motorsports. We, the NASCAR basically told the appeals board, hey, we agree with what this penalty did. It should be the same. It should not be any different. It should be fair, even though we don't agree with what Hendrick Motorsports got. And that's what they did. So I, I love that NASCAR didn't actually agree with the original penalty with Hendrick Motorsports, but they said, hey, in the sake of fairness, they should lose all their points too, even if we don't believe that they should. So I, I think that was a step in the right direction. And I know this appeal, and they, and they even said, hey, like in the future, this is not going to happen. This is going to be different. So let's just make this fair now. Yeah, yeah, Dalton, I'm I'm with you, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for sharing for that as well, because you basically took everything that I was about to say, and um, you used it for you for your uh, consumption. So thanks, buddy. Likely story. Oh, shush. Um, but story. listen, every I, I'm glad that we we get the oh Hendrix was cheating. No, get off my lawn. Um, excuse me. Um, because li listen. I have said it once, I'll say it again. I hate the appeals process. It should be just three people, neutral. I don't care if it's Brett Griffin, Dell Jr., Mike Helton, anyone. Well, probably not Mike Helton. Um, um, yeah. Hermie Saddle. Let, let's go with, with, with Hermie. Um, just three random people that are in the industry. Possible Nick, Virginia State Senator, Hermie <laughs> Sadler. There you go. Uh, Kyle Petty was on the Front Stretch podcast with Brian Owen, talked about that. I encourage you guys to check out that interview that Mr. Michael Massey and I conducted so a few weeks back. So that was good stuff there. Um, but anyway, um, I, I'm glad that it, it got downgraded, but I, I will go to my grade saying it has to be the same appeals process, the same appeals board, I should say, for every single process. Because why are we having three different people for one, for the exact same penalty, and it goes one way, and then it goes the other way. It makes it just makes no sense. It's stupid, and it's just a load of shit. Absolutely a load of shit. And um, and I I don't get it. I disagree. Oh, do you, Dalton? I, I do. Okay, please share. Uh, because if you have three different people, if you have the same three guys on the appeals board every time, then they're easily corruptible. They're targeted. You can reach the same three guys all the time. Okay, so if then we have so Bill then Lester, how are you going to? the Hendrick Appeals Board, if we have Bill Lester on there, 
I can, we can easily read Bill Lester and say and slip him, you know, a hundred dollar bill and say, hey, this is this is hypothetical, of course, but we can say, hey, you know, we didn't really mean to put those louvers on there. <laughs> so, I, I you know, well, I'm just saying they're easily correctable. And they have to stay anonymous too. If we don't know who the appeals panel is, and we don't know who who should influence, we don't we don't know who to target, in a way. So I kind of agree with the fact that we should be changing those three out every single time. Yeah, I agree with Dalton. It just needs to be transparent. Like at the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't matter who's up there if it's transparent. Then it's gonna get you're gonna have a lot of better understanding of how, like. It could be simple as kind of like just you – they release a statement with like X presented this and NASCAR presented this and this is why we went this way and blah, 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 and that's it. Like that's all you need. And it it just, again, like optically it's going to be a whole lot better because that will clean up so many of these issues if you're just transparent. Yeah, as I long mean, as they know, I'm sorry, Brian. As long as they know how to research some penalties in the past, because this colleague appeals group obviously didn't do that. They obviously didn't look at the penal, the Hendrick penalties and say, "Hey, they lost. Uh, they got all of their points rescinded. We should do the same." They obviously didn't look at look at it like that way. They said, it "Oh no, we're only twenty five penalties." Points. It opens up a whole new can of worms, though, Dalton, because then you'd be like, let's say Denny Hamlin, um, he gets fined for wrecking someone on purpose, but he didn't admit it. Let's say he gets he gets fined for wrecking Kevin Harvick at at, at Gateway, and and um, does if they're allowed to go back, are they going back and and saying, oh well, he he did this once, uh, so we're more cool. inclined to go and and find him even more like it's just like it's it's, it's like um like the nba like i'm a diehard warriors fan trey i swear to god if you say what i'm like the beam i damn you god damn it it's just like when draymond green uh hit devonta sabonis and uh, stomped him are they gonna suspend him because he's draymond green or are they gonna suspend him or not suspend him because of the actual play that happened i mean it's just like if if you're if you're opening up what happened in the past, it opens up a brand new can of worms, though, Dalton. Yeah, I'm just gonna pretend I know who Draymond Green is, but Jesus at the same Christ. time, he's like Jeff Green. Jeff, he's the oldest Green brother. Jeff Green, David Green. <laughs> oh yeah, I know about the Greens. Yeah, totally. Uh, light the light the sure. beam, right, Dalton? Uh, you don't know yeah, about uh-huh, 2000 sure, Bush Series champion Jeff They're Green. They're NASCAR drivers, numb nuts. You are James, Draymond Green. <laughs> the basketball player? I was saying a joke that he's the older brother of Jeff and David Green. Oh. Okay. You know, we don't know if make more sense if he was younger than them because he's still playing basketball. Sure. But. <laughs> God almighty. <laughs> and but, your point. Okay, in that hypothetical sense. Does Denny Hamlin admit to wrecking Kevin Harvick? He does not. Well, then he won't get anything. But then he won't get he anything. Said that, no, but he said that in the past that he has. Brian, young man, are you acting like Denny Ham? This is the first time Denny Hamlin has wrecked somebody on purpose. No, but it's the first time mm. he's 
not admitted it. Oh, and it's also the first time he's gotten penalized for it. Ryan Priest oh, wrecked Kyle Larson and didn't admit to it, and he didn't get anything. So there you go. That literally is Who? Ryan what? Priest. Uh, someone that has wrecked someone repeatedly is uh, Carson Hosovar. Oh, really? Uh, so, God. Uh, should we? Should he be suspended? I mean, it's like, he, he wrecked himself. He didn't admit to it. He wrecked himself. He didn't, yeah, he wrecked himself. He didn't even admit to it. I think in Formula One rules, it's like if you wreck yourself, you're you're already basically penalizing yourself. So he shouldn't be penalized for that. If he hits that being said, Ray, he didn't hit It's a right hook. What? Massey? What? He, if he hits him any further, it, you know, if he just hits him like a foot further back in the truck, he it's a right hook under Taylor Gray. Oh, like, no, I agree. But he didn't right do hook. that because he was really pissed off and acted like a sport, like a five-year-old throwing a temper tantrum so i mean he it would have been identical to what he did at irp and i don't yeah. know i think maybe kobe howard or something i don't know who it was i um, i don't really I know the what the hell head. um but like like he's on. so like the thing is and sorry to uh over overstep you uh D, Go ahead, Ryan. um but like he's so like he's so immature and like he can't take the pressure that he like he does a podcast with Matt Weaver um, from uh, Formerly Racing America, not and, anymore, in Motorsports Tribune with and Kevin Swindell. If he was the third guy, he's already left. I mean, he can't take the heat, and and it's just like, like what are you doing? Like, take some responsibility. I know he's a young guy, um, but like, man up. You got to nut up sometimes, and he and he's apparently has not grown some nuts, um, and. Some one way or another, he's gonna get, he's gonna get uh, his teeth handed to him one way or another. Sometime we're, soon, probably. We're going so over time right now, but I'll leave it with this. Trey, if you want to say something afterwards, you totally can, since you're basically like almost the leader. But I'll leave it with this: if you're gonna wreck somebody, Brian has said it last week. You've gotta make it look sexy. You cannot oh, do it the way that Carson Hosovar did it. And just throw a temper tantrum and try to right hook the guy. You gotta make it look sexy. You gotta have an out. You gotta have some kind of excuse to go out of it with. So Carson Osovar didn't do that. It's pretty obvious what he was trying to do there. Yeah, and I, I you see him all the time with Ross, and I, I you know the joke is he's like a cheaper version of Ross Chastain. Like Ross at least made. Wrecking people sexy and would do it for wins, whereas Carson has just kind of done it at the worst possible times. So that will do it for our first episode of the Front Stretch Happy Hour. Thank you so much for tuning in. Give us your thoughts on all of these topics at VT at M underscore Massey22, at PitLaneLT, at the Brian Nolan, all on Twitter. Next week, we'll have the boss man, Tom Bowles. So maybe... This series will only last two episodes because the boss will be here next week. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to the Front Stretch Happy Hour, a part of the Front Stretch Podcast Network. (laughs) 